Hello, everybody. It's Jean Nathan, and this is Crosstown Conversations. And, oh, Lordy, we have such an embarrassment of riches coming up this month. You know, sometimes I come in here and and we deal with very serious, heavy-duty stuff. And uh, sometimes we just talk about all the great things that are going on. Um, Today is kind of a combination of both because... Where else but in New Orleans can you have a very serious symposium? That's just another big word for a lot of talking, but serious talk about our vanishing coast. And and we talk about that a lot on the show and you know it. And I, I just don't know whether people really understand how serious this is. And um, I put an article in the newsletter that I sent out today and... Um, Eventually, when I can afford a producer, I will have these stories on our website um, that Press Kavakov sent me um, from the Baton Rouge Advocate. And I hear this from my husband almost on a daily basis about how seriously close the erosion of the coast is to our city. I mean, it is, you know, it's, it's pushing up to I-10 in, in many parts of the state. And this is, this is a very, very serious situation. There are people who are going to lose their homes. There are people who have lost their homes and they're going to lose their homes. So he's got some of the really key people who are in the business of trying to deal with this who are going to come to the Healing Center on Saturday, the 17th. To, and you know the Healing Center is down there on St. Claude Avenue. It's that 17th really, of October. Uh, what did I say? You said 17th. I'm just saying it's October. It's, it's yeah. another week and a half. <laughs> exactly. That's Press right there in studio with me, Press Kavakov. And um, on the phone line, we have Sally Glassman, who, hi, hi Sally, is, 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 is part of a, a combination of ways of dealing with the issue of water and, and our relationship with it that is spiritual, emotional, also, lots of fun and, and kind of, you know, the, the other side of how we look at water. Because, you know, water is just very important to a lot of people. Look what's happening in California, and you know how serious it is. People losing their lives, their homes, and acres and acres and acres of forests on our earth. This is very serious business. So, Press, who has always taken things seriously, but he's also had some fun in life, too. Um, is is for the fourth year bringing some of the the cities um, really and the state's major leaders in the environment together to talk about what's going on. And, and a key part of it, of course, is we know there's a lot of money coming into the situation now from the BP oil. That's, that's the upside of a situation that we have no idea what the downside is because that's working down there on the ocean floor in the Gulf and we don't know what that's going to be all about for decades. But in the meantime, we've got some money to work with, and we better, we better spend it right. And so that's, that's going to be part of the focus of this symposium. And then at the same time, and, and uh, working our, uh, our way through the rest of the day and into the night, Sally Ann, who happens also to be the wife of Press Kavakov, another couple in the city like Tannen and me who just can't stop, 
um, will will bring you some really incredible um, spiritual experience, some celebration, parades, music, ending um, yeah, ending the day at uh, after midnight. I mm-hmm. mean, this goes on all day and night, folks, with a ceremony that that um, calls on the powers out there to help us. Press, why are you doing this, and and what are you hoping to accomplish? Sometimes people think that these forums are nothing but talk, but people do come to them, learn, and act. And I know that you're an act person. I, I, I've heard you say so many times, you know, um, don't tell me about process. What's the expression you use? Don't tell me process. Tell me what we're going to do. What are we going to do? Well, let me say I'm doing this because my wife told me to do it. <laughs> the... the uh, uh, you know, Sally and I co-founded the Healing Center, which is at St. Claude and St. Rock, where this event on the October 17th will will be, and and uh, that was a, a community project after Katrina. And we've done our best to to make it an forum for important issues. And Sally seized on water and the importance of water, which, as you said earlier. Some issues, their time has come. Well, water now is probably the number one issue in the world. It's the new gold. The coast is, uh, and water rising subsidence is a subset of that issue. And so Sally wanted to organize a festival around water and its importance, bringing in a whole number of perspectives, whether it's music, artists, and then she decided that maybe we ought to do some some science about this as well. So I think this is the seventh or eighth on Bud Lowe Festival and the fourth or fifth, uh, uh, fourth, I guess, water symposium. And so, Sally, maybe you talk about your view of water, and then I'll work into uh, uh, the symposium itself. Well, I just woke up one morning thinking that we can go two days without water, and the water, the available water in the world is shrinking right now. Today, over 750 million people lack access to clean water. Um, it's it's just an astounding issue around the globe, and certainly New Orleans, we're threatened with inundation by water. It's very hard for us to relate to the rest of the world lacking water and, and what that does to society and to the world economy and and what these issues really mean. But just the fact that we can only go 48 hours without it is pretty terrifying and that we're we're, um, destroying clean water in the world and access to it. There's no, in most places in the world, there's no access to sanitation either. And just the numbers of deaths based on lack of clean water and sanitation is astounding. In 25 years, which is no time in geological terms, I think it's 1.8 or 9 billion people will have a critical lack of of access to water. So it's an existential question whether we can do something about it and whether we can join together as as the human race and, and readjust our relationship to the earth and to nature. But also feel very um, connected to the artists in the world and the musicians in the world and the creatives and the, the bearers of culture. Um, 
because increasingly we're seen as tangential and less important than scientific or mathematical or economic research. And I wanted to bring these two camps together and have them relate to one another and maybe reveal to one another some understandings that and ideas for how to fix this problem that wouldn't have occurred to people otherwise. So at our festival, which is got the difficult name of Anbadlo, which means beneath the waters in, in Haitian Creole. We bring together some of the, the greatest, most wonderful bands in New Orleans, Sweet Crude, Tank and the Bangers, 101 Runners, um, Bachabunda, Viola Vox, Dumbohaya, Saltwise, Primrose Dolls, Blood and Grits, and my own group, La Source Ancienne, doing a, a ceremony at the end of the night to unveil and reveal our, our new mermaid sculpture. Um, in the lobby of the Healing Center. And the idea is not only to engage different types of, of learning and different ways of expressing, whether it's musical or spiritual or artistic or um, linguistic, all these different forms of understanding, but also to celebrate and appreciate what we're going to lose, the, the um, lifestyle that we're going to lose. Uh, Sally, I couldn't agree with you more about, and and we, I, I think that uh, people who have been working in the field are 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 de- are really almost um, devastated by how serious uh, it is, and at the same time, um, deeply committed to uh, uh, doing whatever it takes to try mm-hmm. to change the course. And the one thing about history that I often um, think about that I learned from my school days is that a a trend can always change. So while the trend right now is is fabulously scary, and there are some scientists, and we talked about this on our show last week because I had these um, super guys on from uh, international people involved in in, um, advising the world leaders who are coming together in Paris in a few weeks to try to set carbon emission reduction goals who are saying, you know, uh, if if we don't really do that, um, we're we're going to burn up so much faster than anybody realizes. So um, let me put but this I, but into a hold on one second, Chris. What I want to ask you is is one thing before we go on because uh, I, I I do want to hear from Press on on the symposium, but on um, blow which I have mm-hmm. so much trouble remembering beneath the waters, what in the Haitian voodoo mm-hmm. faith? Uh, is that really all about? I just want to understand yeah. the underpinnings of that, which is more specific than what we're talking about. And, and Press, don't get fidgety. We have plenty of time. I have a whole half hour <laughs> for you guys. Go. That's right. Okay, so Anbadlo means beneath the water in, in Haitian Creole. And in the Vodou faith, the understanding is that water is absolutely, ultimately the medium in which we exist that we come from water, we're sustained and buoyed by water, we return to water when we die, and that our psyches are made up of water. It's the element that that is life itself and is the essence of spirit. And our ancestors live in the invisible waters of return, um, which is the theme of our, our festival this year, the eighth year. So if we destroy the water and if we don't respect it and... We don't keep our relationship with it balanced and and full of praise. 
we're really in trouble as beings. We're, we're wiping ourselves out. And everything in a Buddhist ceremony is relating to this invisible spiritual water and how we relate back and forth. The understanding is that when our ancestors, our loved ones, die, they're not fully gone. They're not inaccessible to us. Um, we can call them back, and we can continue to relate to them through these waters. So at this time of year, at Halloween, which is why it's, uh, it's sort of a, a very serious water symposium dressed up as a Halloween costume party, um, we ask everybody to come in costume. We we bring this this idea out into the neighborhood through a wonderful parade. I love it, and it's a beautiful, beautiful event. I mean, it's it's yeah. really just aesthetically. I'm such an aesthetic person, visually <laughs> oriented, and it's really beautiful. Um, let me come to press and, and and because I've I've attended, I think um, I don't know most of these symposium. Uh, well, your husband are. happens to be an expert in the area, so we always bring him in. So he, he's been, you have he, to go. He's been a part of it. Um, but uh, I, I really um, want to understand what, where you see this coming out. So you have these really smart people who are going to be there. Justin Ehrenroth, who now runs the uh, program that will determine basically how this money gets spent, and he, we, we are counting on him to do the right thing, right? This is very, very critical. And so for him to hear the other voices that you will have there, both the public, the people who are going to come to it, as well as the other speakers, is, is, is critically important. But well, Justin's what, what are you a key, hoping key, for? Uh, Justin's a key player. Uh, as you know, he's going to control about $6 billion that uh, can go into rebuilding the coast, the Louisiana portion. Uh and I think his his approach is to coordinate with all of those other funders at the federal, state, local level, levels, and philanthropic levels and see if they can't, rather than just each pick their program, focus on what's most important and use in this world even $6 billion is a scarce resource, doesn't get the job done, and focus all the available money on what's most important. And so at our... Our, uh, and he'll be one of the speakers. But but the uh, four years ago, uh, Denise Reed, who's sort of considered the lead environmental scientist, a river scientist in the in the state, uh, said that when uh, all of the water scientists came to New Orleans after Katrina, they said to a person that your solution is is the river. You got to rebuild land with the river. And how do you most effectively use it? And they thought that something that had to be investigated, had to be investigated, was that the dirt, the alluvial soil that gets carried down the river from the north. And dumped into the Gulf right now. dumped into the Gulf. How do we use that for land building purposes? And unfortunately, it goes to the crow's foot or bird's foot gets near the continental shelf and falls down 5,000 feet and is wasted for land building. So they are suggesting that at least you ought to check out changing the course of the Mississippi River. Not a diversion, not dredging. A diversion is when you cut a little bit, you let some uh, water out and So they're suggesting soils. a much more radical... This is, this is changing the course. Go down to English Bend... Uh, uh, English Turn, which is not far south of New Orleans, 
and create a new channel and let that channel exit on, on, in shallow waters so you can capture the land. Now, you don't know if you do that whether it will stand up, whether it will work. And so I suggested to Denise, I'm a pretty well-read guy. Why am I hearing about this the first time? She said, well, it's very controversial, very difficult. Lots of science has to be done. I said, well, let's, let's use this symposium to put this issue on the, on the table. And let me not start, quite sound so dire. New Orleans is one of the few levee-protected cities on the coast. You've got water bubbling up through the porous concrete in Miami. New York was terribly damaged by Sandy, as we all know. So this is not just a New Orleans issue. And we've spent a fortune on protecting our coast. But over the long haul, they say that we've got to spend maybe another $100 billion. That's with a B on all of these coastal projects, the changing course has the potential of being the most cost-effective and most significant way to do this if it'll work. And so what happened is after that seminar and other efforts, Rockefeller and Walton came in and said, we will fund the Environmental Defense Fund, a guy named Steve Cochran, who will also be a speaker. We will fund their effort to investigate the physicality, can you do this? And also the social issues. Who because, wins? Who loses? Well, moving people is one of the key issues, and, and, and that's, that's, um, that's really uh, – there, there are two uh, – there's lots, but there are two key factors, that's obstacles that stand in the way of the changing the core solution. And, you know, this is not a new idea. Changing the course, people have been talking about this for a few decades, but um, – the reality is that some people are going to have to move. And there's a big issue about how you do that. What what are you Their hearing? voice needs be to be at the table. If we don't do something, we all lose. And so we have to find ways to ameliorate those kinds of issues. And if you don't, the political and social objection will slow the process down immensely. So you have to well, pay that's, attention. That's why it's so important for everyone to come out to the symposium and to the festival so that their concerns can be heard and, and so that they can have some answers from the people that are managing the uh, master plan. I've invited a river boat, boat pilot. Navigation is a very big issue. When you close down the port during Katrina, it costs the country $90 million a day. And so if you don't do something, there's a cost impact, not only for New Orleans and Louisiana, but for the rest of the country. And that's one way to get everybody's attention is that, that reality. But well, at this particular, let me make one couple more points. So we will be talking about the science. We will be talking about the social and political realities of this. We will be talking about where can you get the money. But we will also be talking about, very interestingly enough, People have different learning styles. People yeah, relate uh, to issues through some people are auditory learners. Some people are visual learners. Some people are touchy-feeler learners. Some people like to express themselves through the arts and the music. So one of the topics that Steve Bingler, who has done such a good job of reorganizing schools around the country around different learning styles, will lead a panel uh, to discuss 
how do we actually engage a larger community on environmental issues through their different learning styles and also their religions? As you know, the Pope has been, I mean, there are a few large, writ large world leaders. Pope is one of them. He's trust number me. one. He's, he's number, number one. one. And in southeast he's, he's Louisiana, he's got, a, he's got a big following. <laughs> yeah. the, the, and so we have an expert from the religious point of view of how, to, how do you translate what the Pope is now saying to the larger religious community. So that will be another subject that will be dealt with in a second panel. And then we have and a also, third. also, just before you get to the third panel, that's the kind of the whole idea of the Anbadlo Festival. It's this huge, living, throbbing example of how different types of intelligence relate to this issue and express this issue. We have numerous um, interactive art installations that I think are going to be fascinating and beautiful for everybody to come and experience that you can just go into and, and they relate and to water right really get a visceral experience of for instance what's going to be lost on the coast and what that feels like people's lives how they're impacted so go ahead press and then the final panel is that we have this wonderful idea village that have made new orleans an entrepreneurial propeller no i'm not finished okay. an entrepreneurial <laughs> capital and it's done very well. And very interestingly, a group said, how can we create an entrepreneurial capital around social and environmental issues? There's money to be made in those areas. How can we create companies that can be focused on environmental and social interest? interest? And Andrea Chen with the Propeller Group has developed a, a, a 19 or 20 companies and help them get off the ground that are concerned about social and environmental issues. And she's going to have a panel there that will discuss how the young entrepreneurs are actually engaging in these issues. So it's really a comprehensive and, discussion. And, and, and let me just um, put a punctuation mark on that because what I think we have really been missing in this state is the realization that the dilemma that we're faced with, this this really dangerous situation, is also part of our potential future as a state economically. And we have not focused enough, and it's and it is the young folks, it is the Andrea Chens and the millennials and the and, and the socially motivated uh, young folks who actually are in the model of, of press. You're one of the few people I know in the entrepreneurial world in New Orleans who really do take their social causes to heart. A lot of people give money to social causes to defray criticism of what they might be doing on the North Shore of Louisiana, for example, just as a point. But you, you, you are socially committed. But the, these young folks are, are, are hope not just for addressing the, the, the environmental needs and the other social issues, but it's, it's economic opportunity for the state of Louisiana for us to become leaders worldwide in how to address these issues, which, as you said, they're not just affecting our coast, they're not just affecting the Gulf, they're on, on the Pacific coast, the Atlantic coast, they are global. And we have not really been able to push the idea of our economic leadership in developing companies to deal with this and I uh, was amazed, Gene, to watch how what an extraordinary musical place we are, and how Nashville made it an industry, and we never did. 
So who knows more about resilience than people that live around here? How do we capitalize on that and make it an industry? That's well, and in that propeller panel, there will be a, a pitch session and a pitch contest where people in the audience will have a minute to pitch their idea for how to create a business around water um, issues. And the winner will get, um, I think it's an hour of mentoring from the propeller group. Sally, you might point out that uh, that the the hours of this, that the symposium actually starts with a with a walking tour that yeah. starts at ten o'clock, where they the walk yeah. and learn tour that's um, been where are they set gonna up walk? by I the Greater New Orleans Water Collaborative at, from ten to twelve, and they'll go to different water sites in the neighborhood surrounding the Healing Center and talk about things this is like Marini and impacted. <laughs> And, um, yeah, in Bywater. And so so where are you going to be walking, like along the river? They'll go to the New Crescent Park. They'll go to the Industrial Canal and, and what we all re- down here refer to as the end of the world. And uh, they'll start and end at the Earth Lab Groundworks Garden that's here at the Healing Center. So and that's from 10, that's from 10 to noon. And 10 to noon. Um, we have the fabulous parade with all the the women's walking groups and, and fantastic costumes that'll, and uh, Bacha Bunda is the band, by the way, that will parade through the neighborhood and come back to the Healing Center. The doors open at 630 um, with music and acrobats and face painters and psychics and costume contests and this midnight ceremony to unveil the sculpture. We have a live auction, and even the auction items are really relating to water and in various ways. The, the Heart Hyperbarics Oxygen Therapy Clinic has donated 40 um, pressurized oxygen treatments that help tremendously with brain trauma. And um, their whole um, technology developed out of divers off the coast of Louisiana that were getting the bends. And so pressurized oxygen treats those symptoms and was later applied to all kinds of brain injuries. So just to summarize, Sally, at 10 o'clock is the walking tour starting at the Healing Center. It heads toward the river. Then you come back to the seminar water symposium, which is in Cafe Istanbul in the Healing Center at St. Claude and Rock, and that lasts from from 12 o'clock to 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and we're actually providing a free lunch I think around around one one thirty, and then Sally's activities with the marchers and the rest of it starts. The parade lines up at five thirty at Royal and Franklin, and arrives at the Healing Center at seven. Our doors open at six thirty, and we roll until twelve thirty in the morning <laughs> with the unveiling of the of the uh, sculpture, the interactive um, installations go on the whole time, and the whole Mm -hmm. festival is free for the first time this year. We've got um, what we call La Serene, who's the mermaid in Voodoo. We've got La Serene's underwater VIP lounge that that comes all-inclusive with food and drink and face painting and massage and all kinds of great stuff. Let me point Um, out that Sally is also an artist, and... She was just asked to bring her installation over to, Jeannie just showed me a, a poster for the New Orleans, what is it called? Art it's Center. It's the Bywater Biennial. Yep. Is that what you're thinking of? Yeah. 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 That's, that's okay. this weekend, Bywater right? Biennial has its opening, uh, I think, 
It's Saturday night at yeah. six to nine. We're we're gonna that's uh, that, that. Thank you for the segue. Press. <laughs> uh, we are gonna go with that. I mean, you know, this is just um, uh, in, uh, really evidence of the incredible energy and uh, determination of the people. What I call downriver. I always speak of downriver New Orleans. You know, below Canal. And, and what's going on uh, everywhere from Treme and 7th Ward, 8th, 9th, uh, Lower 9th Ward, uh, even now into Araby. Araby is creating an um, arts and entertainment district. I don't know if you knew that. And uh, all the way down to Portress, Louisiana. Downriver, well, New Orleans. I like to say that, that downtown has three meetings. We all know the downtown <laughs> where the offices are. It's also a direction. Yeah. And it's also, as you say, an entire place from Canal Street all the way to Ar- Araby. That's downtown New Orleans. Well, I, and I take it even further because, as you know, I've been working with uh, Sydney um, Torres, Torres uh, uh-huh. with, with the um, Crevasse 22 and the River House all the way down to Poitras. I mean, I, I, I don't know how, how to say it. it it's, it's a kind of a peculiar metaphor for the moment. But downtown, downriver New Orleans is on fire. So let me lead right into the New Orleans Arts Center. But just before I leave, let's just underscore again that we are looking at a very informative um, series of speakers and forums that are going to talk about what's going on with our coast, the protecting of it, key people, the leading people, Kyle Graham, who runs the state's program, the Coastal Protection and Restoration, Justin Aaronworth, who's the director of the Gulf Coast Restoration Council. This is the organization that is really going to basically decide exactly how all of that BP penalty money is going to be spent trying to help us get back on our feet um, uh, after the disaster that was caused by BP. Um, then we have this this learning styles thing, and this is so important because this is something I deal with every day. Because you all know, uh, my listeners that are faithful to this show, that I I constantly search for how to get across the message about the importance of the cultural economy. And this has been a struggle because people still think of art as something for I don't know, you know, artsy people, and don't understand how intrinsic it is to our economic future. Likewise, trying to really communicate what's going on with our environment and its importance to us on so many different levels is tricky. It's 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 because it, it it's not right in front of your face. It's it's out there. It's it's closer than you think, but it's out there. And so, trying to figure out how to get people's attention on these issues of water are, are, comes on at the 145 point. And then following that with this opportunity for people to pitch, I love that. And, um, yeah, Propeller, those folks over there are really kicking behind in making things happen. So that's a great one, too. And then celebration and um, uh, acknowledgement of the of the spiritual and emotional um, issues that are underlying this with um, the art element. All of that next weekend right here in New Orleans, as I say, downriver at the Healing Center on St. Claude Avenue. Thank you, Jean. And then on top of that, so just stay here for one second because I want you to hear this press. On top of that, we have a brand new – I don't know how many galleries we have now in, in the St. Claude area. When we first did Colton and, and, and your uh, art project during – And Andy Antipas, that was what we had. Andy. When was that? That was – sorry, so 2007, eight, and And now there are just dozens of, of arts venues of one variety or another. And here comes a new one. 
the New Orleans Art Center in the 3300 block of St. Claude, which is, I guess, just above the, the bridge, right? It's between mm -hmm. the bridge and the railroad track. Between the bridge and well, the, the bridge railroad is the, is track. The bridge is, 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 is the industrial Oh, you canal. mean the Crest Street. So what's your, what are your cross streets? Um, we are between Desire and Piety. We are between Desire and Piety, and we are located uh, halfway between Poland Avenue by the bridge and the railroad tracks by Preston. This is, um, and, and I love the, uh, the symmetry of having Don Marshall as the curator. Um, Don was the first executive director for the Contemporary Arts Center, which we formed in 1975, kicked the whole art scene up many, many notches in the Central Business District, and here he is curating a show. And Don, I love him dearly, has over... Uh, is he up to what, maybe 70 artists? He's, I think it's close to 75 or maybe even one over that. Amazing artist. It's an amazing curated show by Don Marshall. A uh, huge amount of incredible artwork by very well-established and emerging artists. Um, sorry, I was just uh, distracted for a minute. So um, that's an incredible number of artists. And... Um, it's a very interesting mix because on the one hand you have a Rainbed Saul, you have a Keith Duncan, Sally Ann Glassman, Nathan Gok Turk, um, and and um, uh, you know Dapper Bruce Lafitte, A.K.A. Bruce Davenport. These are people: Elizabeth Shannon, Mary Jane Parker, Bob Sneed. These are all people Poche West that are, are fairly well known. And then there's a whole bunch of other artists in here who are. Uh, new and and emerging, and that's a beautiful thing when you mix the experienced, recognized artists with less recognized and really interesting artists. Gabrielle Gaspard is one of the people I see you have down here, and she works with me, and I'm familiar with her work, and it's it's beautiful work, and I'm excited to see her included. Did we need another art center? Um, it's not about necessarily needing another art center. It just happens to be a very big venue. It's a, very, it's a very big venue which can handle a show that can actually um, showcase the work of the community in that area. And it's such a large community. There's so much energy there, many galleries popping up, many restaurants popping up. And it's just a natural, it seems like a natural progression. And it's a, at a central point that can accommodate many different art forms. So we're really excited about it. Uh, there's so many artists in this area I keep meeting that reaches well, well over that 75 number. Um, so we are very happy to be able to showcase that work that's been curated by Don Marshall. And, and I think that it's, it's really important to uh, recognize the fact that there are so many artists in the city who do not get an opportunity to show their work, uh, who are not affiliated with the gallery, um, who may be young, who may be old, who may be, you know, sitting in their, their studio in the seventh ward, uh, um, in, in, in the lower ninth ward, uh, again, below that in, in St. Bernard, and, and is making work that people don't get to see. So uh, having a big facility that gives an opportunity to really um, bring them to the fore tremendously important. Absolutely. There are a lot of young, there's quite a number of young artists just starting out. We're excited to show their work. They're from this area, from the community. 
Um, there's many more people, hopefully, that will uh, find out about this as a result of the biannual and have opportunities in the future to show their work as well. So I can see that it may grow into a very, very big event in the future, and we are so appreciative of Don Marshall um, to take this off and see that vision and see what's happening in the St. Claude Corridor. So we're speaking with Christina Duran. Is that how you pronounce That's your name? That's correct, yes. Um, Christina, you. where are you from? From New Orleans, grew up in New Orleans, and um, was here and there throughout the years in other states, and uh, was gone post-Katrina and back in town as of a year ago, which is so exciting to be back home. Um, why did you do this? Uh, did this... Uh, I'm an artist, and Herman Crone, who is the owner and founder of the gallery, um, he is a metal worker, and he has produced this product also that is a paintbrush cleaner called Bristle Magic, which is a non-toxic paintbrush cleaner for artists. Um, and we were looking for a space when we came back that could accommodate the artwork, and we were shown this building way beyond any needs that we could ever imagine for ourselves. Um, and it was an opportunity uh, that seemed to be able to accommodate our work as well as suddenly we were in a big building that was so much more than us, and we could see that it could be a place where it could become a community center for the arts. And tell me how you feel about the, the character and the trend and the growth in the in the art being made in the city and why you feel that the, the work of so many artists is valid to be shown to people. I, I, I mean, you know, we struggle in New Orleans sometimes with not really being taken seriously nationally by the media based in New York and LA or Chicago. And um, there's an enormous amount of very innovative uh, work, work with deep roots in the southern narrative tradition, um, all kinds of trends going on, really. But what about it is most intriguing to you that you hope people take away from seeing this show? Um, well, no matter what, I think the arts are so enriching to the community, to everybody around, to the environment. Um, and I think that's starting to change that New Orleans is a, a venue in some ways uh, for the arts all around the country and hopefully that will grow and the local artists will be supported as well um, and be able to carry on their work. Um, we, we definitely want to be able to continue that tradition. When I go down the street and see public art that's happening from the artists in the area, it's absolutely amazing and I think it's inspiring to everyone around. What's your art all about? Uh, my art is, uh, I tend to do outdoor landscape. I do uh, partly abstract um, color. I love color. I love richness. I love oil paint. Um, and I'm inspired by the environment around me. You know that we have um, this exhibit uh, down in uh, what's called Crevasse 22. Correct. And the River House. And our theme there is about the environment. Uh, to a great extent, and also the people who live in that environment, because, again, going back to what we were talking mm -hmm. about with press, um, as you look for these, um, you know, huge solutions that we have to um, research and explore and develop and, and, and try to see if they're feasible, they're going to have impact on lives. So it's very important to look at both the environment and the people in that environment. Um, but 
it's bringing people closer to nature and and understanding how much a part of it we are is something that we're trying to do there. And it sounds like that's part of what you are trying to accomplish. Right. And um, we will have different shows uh, um, every month. And definitely artists, I think, are in tune to that connection between the environment and their artwork and nature um, and the connections between people. So I, I believe that we'll be showcasing work that will reflect that as well. You know, I just want to say, and this is it's none of my business, you do what you think is necessary, mm-hmm. but... Um, I tend to keep my shows up longer mm-hmm. because everybody's very busy and a month goes by fast and it's costly mm-hmm. in terms of labor and, and, you know, hanging and unhanging and just think mm-hmm. about maybe a, a, a keeping a show up more like two months instead of a month and give everybody a chance to get in there and, and, and work hard on trying to get the word out because that's one of the trickier parts of of what we do is trying to make sure people know about it. That's one of the reasons why I make such a point on our show of, of having people like you on to talk about these kinds of projects. Absolutely. That's a point well taken, and I think we will be considering that. That month does fly by quickly, and we really do want everybody to be able to come out and enjoy this event. Um, we're open on the weekends. Uh, the, the day-by-day traffic is starting to pick up, but hopefully that will pick up in the future. Where did you study your work, and um, what were some of the influences that helped uh, trigger you in the direction not only of making the art, but of looking to show other people's work? And that's that's a very courageous mm-hmm. thing to do. I can tell you, we we all know who do that. That is it's it's tough. Um, I I studied uh, originally. I majored in art, studio art at Carleton College, um, and throughout the years, I also studied in Israel. Um, I am very inspired by other artists' work, and there's extreme growth by looking at other artists' work as well, and I think um, we can all say that. So to be around other artists and inspired by that energy creates new ideas, um, creates excitement and energy and um, new work that you can never imagine. So that's, that's a really exciting thing. The Art Center is also offering live figure drawing on Monday nights, so we hope to continue to gather that energy in all different forms. Um, you are, um, again, explain the location because I'm still struggling with exactly. Is it one of those two uh, larger two-story buildings facing each other on the corner kind of near the Holy Angels Church? Um, we're not quite that far, um, close to that. We're two blocks before that, and right on the corner across from us is, uh, I believe, Indy Woods is moving in there. So it's an exciting area that's changing rapidly. We are on the block before where there's also Shake Sugary, and the oh, okay. Cheesy Cajun now I know is are. about to open up across the street. Um, they're getting ready for that. So the block is coming alive very quickly. What is Indy Woods? Um, I believe, you know, I don't know that much about Indie Woods. I I believe it's small um, film festivals that are occurring. I think it's located on Elysian Fields right now. Um, And they showcase all kinds of amazing independent films. Um, So I believe they may have had one the other night. Not positive on that. About to find (laughs) out a lot more. Really excited about it. It is. um, It's just such a vibrant, um, creative part of the city. It's... it's, um, uh, for many years, it was kind of uh, asleep, 
<laughs> and um, you can see that in the architecture that uh, swings from uh, plantation, leftover plantation homes to um, things from the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, and then it seemed to have kind of really settled uh, down. And, and now it's just, again, as I said before, on fire. And um, you coming along with this art center, um, how can an artist who is interested in, in showing in one of your shows um, make contact with you and, and approach you to show you their work? Um, they can contact us through the website, the New Orleans Art Center, uh, dot com and or the New Orleans Art dot Center, um, and we will be glad to look at everybody's work. Um, we want to give opportunities. If shows come up where it seems like it will fit in, we would love to see everybody's work and see what's out there. Um, please feel free to contact us anytime. What's your long-term objective with this? What do you hope to see uh, in, in, in the future? It's so hard to say that right now. The, it's, we're, we're very open and flexible to where this is heading, and it's very difficult to say right now. Um, this is a huge, huge event that hopefully will springboard us into different directions, but certainly we hope to have engaging shows where it's uh, showcasing new work, new ideas, new energy in all forms. How um, how are your hours going to be? What's your schedule? I see you have your opening this uh, Saturday night, by the way, everybody, is, of course, the second Saturday of the month, which is the big night in the St. Claude um, area where all the galleries um, open their new shows for the month. And so it's a big night, 6 to 9 o'clock here at the um, New Orleans, new New Orleans Art Center with the, you're calling it the Bywater Biennial? The Bywater Biennial. At uh, 3330 St. Claude. What will your hours be going forward? So our hours right now are Saturdays and Sundays from 12 to 9, Sundays from 12 to 6. This next month we'll keep open on Friday nights from 4 to 8 to give people more opportunity to come see the show. And the show goes through November 8th. Um, if anybody stops by in between them and cannot make it on the weekend, please do call us. There's the number on the door, and we are probably not far away and can show people throughout the day, if necessary, um, the artwork. Um, so even during the weekday, by appointment, almost always. I, I'm, I'm thrilled to see you doing this. It takes a huge amount of courage, um, having been involved um, uh, only slightly, as my husband and I, with the founders of the Contemporary Art Center, I know what um, I know what it's like. This is uh, grueling, really. It's it's very very scary. You're taking on a, a huge new venture in in a city that at this point has so. When we did that, when when we, when we did the Contemporary Art Center, which is about to have its 40th anniversary next year. Um, in, back in 1975, literally there were about three or four galleries in the whole city of New Orleans. Now with what's going on, I used to say there were about 100 galleries as a result of what was going on in the warehouse district and uptown on Maxine Street. Um, but now with what's going on in the St. Claude area, I, I, who knows? We must be, We really must be pushing 130, 40 um, locations and then again it's pushing into Araby, it's pushing into St. Bernard and, and, and Jefferson Parish even is, um, I say even, I shouldn't have said that, but um, you know with uh, the commitment they have now to doing sculptures on their neutral ground, it's spreading out there. So uh, we, we just have to be really um, fulfilling 
um, the the cultural destiny of the city. Yet at the same time, uh, tell me the truth. Has your resources? Um, the resources are very poor. Like most of the arts, it's a struggle. Um, so we, it, it is a labor of love right right now, and um, we are definitely stretching ourselves to the core. Um, these kind of events might bring attention and help support the arts in greater ways, especially if, if the area starts to get national attention. Um, we're excited moving forth. It's uh, definitely not an easy path, uh, and we're going to keep on moving forward. So we're very excited about the venue. Hope everyone will come out to see the new work. But we certainly would love to um, see some kind of um, support coming from the state and the city, and this is something that the Creative Alliance has been working on, trying to really get a more sustained and dedicated funding source for um, for us in the city. I, I was just wondering uh, whether um, Mr. Marshall, uh, Don, was maybe going to call in and join the conversation, and I, I don't know whether he was available or not. And also uh, Jolene Pender from the um, Film Society. I'm kind of waiting on her. She's a little bit late, and I'm, I'm worried about getting her into the into the discussion. So um, that's one of the reasons why we're kind of stretching here a bit is uh, um, figuring out uh, what happened to Miss Pinder, who's got a film festival coming up that, you know, um, we we are trying to get the attention of people um, on the um, visual arts side. And you don't have to work very hard to get people's attention on the film side, of course, because... Um, you know, there's so much more celebrity associated, of course, with the film industry. And their um, film festival is actually beginning, uh, overlapping with all of what we're talking about, um, 14th of October through the 22nd, so it starts next week. And um, so that's going to bring a lot of folks into town. Uh, maybe you might want to get your brochures over there to the film festival, probably especially at the Contemporary Arts Center, which is one of the... Uh, locations where they'll be uh, presenting. And this is actually the 26th annual New Orleans Film Festival. Um, and it's uh, they've got a, a 173 um, selections that came in to be considered from their open call for submissions from independent filmmakers. And, and this is a huge jump from prior years. It's, it's about um, a record and... Um, a 58% increase over just one year ago. So, you know, when you, when you put energy into something like a festival or an arts center like yours, it has enormous ramifications. It's not just what you do inside your walls. It is, is, it is how you change people thinking about um, the, the, the city and, and, and what everybody's doing and, and how people can be a part of it. So uh, lacking um, Jolene, I'm sure she's going to be on the air in just a minute. Ah, is, are you there? Hello? I'm looking for Miss Pinder. Jolene. Hey, there you are. All right. I'm here. I, call, I think I called your office just now. Oh, no, you've got to call Chief. We've got to get you on another line. Uh, good, great. Well, I just started to talk about it. We've been talking um, 
with uh, uh, a woman uh, in, in town who is an artist and who has just started up a, a brand new visual arts facility in um, the St. Claude area. And I'm, oh, I'm thrilled to to have been able to talk about hers just starting up. You now, that's Christina uh, Duran, you now oh, okay. are in your 26th year as a festival. Jolene, remind me how long you've been with it. This is my fifth festival of this year. Right. And um, this this festival, I, I'm reading your stats uh, in your press release are just um, are, are mind-blowing. With 3,400 submissions yes. to the festival lineup this year, 58% increase over the previous year with yes. submissions <laughs> that came in from 100 countries. What happened? <laughs> Well, I think the word has gotten out. I think the word has gotten out about New Orleans being such a major hub for film production. And I think we've put it, we've invested a lot of energy in bringing filmmakers to the festival and doing some really strong hospitality work with them. And that can be your best marketing tool. So, I mean, you know, we used to get 800 films five years ago. So to be at 3,400 now is phenomenal. It's a challenge, but it's a phenomenal to have that many people who want to be part of the New Orleans Film Festival. And for me, you know, I rarely get to go to nearly as much of the festival as I, I would love to. I just lead one of these overly busy lives just like everybody else uh, <laughs> in the arts here because we have to make up for not having the number of people we'd love to have working with us. But um, it, so I, I, I don't get to go to a lot of it, but uh, I went to um, was it last year or the year before that um, 12 Years a Slave played at the Orpheum? Two years ago. Yeah, that was 2013. Mm-hmm. For me, that mm-hmm. was uh, that felt like a turning point when that show was. Uh, was presented in, in the Civic Theater, and now you're mm-hmm. going to the brand-new gorgeous Orpheum, and I recently mm-hmm. went to their kickoff concert. Um, the Mahler uh, resurrection thing was, oh, my God, was that a gorgeous presentation by the um, Louisiana um, Philharmonic. Um, and, and now you're in, in, the, in the Orpheum with um, your opening night. And I don't mm-hmm. know that much about the, your opening night film. So, I mean, I, I went through your whole program, and it, it's mind-boggling. It's fabulous stuff, both coming from elsewhere well, and, and, and uh, focusing on um, some of the the iconic and legendary people of our city, such as the uh, mm-hmm. short that you have um, on Roy Ferdinand. I don't know if you call that mm-hmm. a short documentary film, let's call it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, the re- premiere of that film, and he's a, a self-taught artist from New Orleans, a very, very um, powerful artist so who I'm familiar with. And, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I have I have my little favorites that have already starred, Delta Justice, <laughs> the Islanos Trappers War. This one fascinates oh, me because yeah, I've been doing really so much. In, about that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I've been uh, doing so much in St. Bernard lately, so it's uh, uh, great to see um, some of the history uh, brought forward. I'm sure that's going to be um, a bit controversial and challenging, but very important. And that's mm-hmm. called Delta Justice, the Islanos Trappers War. Um, coming on, oh, this doesn't say exactly when, so we have to go to the program online. And by the way, just mention your right. it has website. Three showings out at Chalmette Movies. Um, okay. And director David DeBose will be there for, I believe, all of those screenings. Great. So we're excited about that one. And then, you know, we talked about the Orpheum. We're doing opening night at the Orpheum, the film right. Born to Be Blue. I was coming back a, to that. <laughs> a, yeah, it's a biographical 
sort of a look at Chet Baker's life with Ethan Hawke playing Chet Baker, but in this sort of small window of time in his life. And it's really interesting portrait and it was it wasn't shot and you know we like to show things that were shot in new orleans typically for opening night that sort of show the amazing sort of production uh community we have here it wasn't shot here but but most uh i think actually all of the post-production was done here which is a different story it was done in 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 louisiana that's right? actually um, a twist because it's more typical for location work to be done here and post to be done right. elsewhere so i'm glad i'm right. glad to hear about that Right. And then on Saturday of the festival, on the 17th, we're going to have a whole day of films at the Orpheum. So we're showing two films that were shot in Louisiana. I Saw the Light, about Hank Williams and Our Brand is Crisis, which was shot here in New Orleans uh, with Sandra Bullock. And we're showing the Black Panthers documentary by Stanley Nelson, who is, you know, an incredibly esteemed documentary filmmaker. And then... um, we're showing the Reflector Tapes, which is the new documentary about Arcade Fire, who two of the members of Arcade Fire um, have recently moved to New Orleans. So we're oh. excited to have that film, too. Fantastic. And um, some other things close to my heart. There's a there's a uh, film that's being shown, part of your narrative films in competition, mm-hmm. called Driving While Black. Uh, yes. which is a It's a comedy, yeah. which is hard to imagine, about racial profiling. <laughs> It's a really interesting film. We we watched sort of trailers for the entire staff. Everyone watched um, all the films, and uh, and this was definitely like a favorite for sure. And the director, producer, and writer are all going to be in attendance. You also have a film about the artist um, uh, Laughlin, who is a photographer, yeah. who uh, mm-hmm. is uh, kind of a groundbreaking surrealist photographer. He's the one who folks do all those very a kind of bizarre photographs of some of the ruins of the plantations and uh, oh, rural mm-hmm. and, and urban uh, areas of, of the, of the uh, state. And uh, again, a, another one of those legendary Louisiana characters. So I was excited to see that one. Two Cuban uh, filmmakers. Am but, I right? Well, we have a strand of films about Cuba um, because we just, you know, we look at what what's submitted, and that was really coming to the top. That there were a lot of stories about Cuba, not surprising given, um, you know, recent changes. But uh, we have one Havana Motor Club, um, which is this great documentary about this sort of group in Havana that you know they race their cars and they fix up their cars and uh, beautiful portrait. And then we have um, Touch the Light about three. Um, women who are blind who live in Havana and how they yeah. sort of what their day-to-day life is like. Um, and then we have two more, Hotel Nueva Isla and Havana Instant. You know, um, we're, one narrative, one documentary. Yeah, we're going to run out of time pretty quickly. But um, one of the things that struck me about the themes of many of these films is that they're based on um, personal experiences of people mm-hmm. as opposed to sort of sweeping big stories, but um, I also want to call attention to your closing night, Brooklyn. Since my husband's from Brooklyn, I couldn't resist um, (laughs) catching it. And we'll be announcing that night the winner of the Crete Louisiana Filmmakers Grant. So that's going to be an exciting moment for somebody in the state, and um, uh, kudos to you guys for making sure that we get some money into the hands of Louisiana filmmakers. Um, Jolene, I think you're amazing. You're one of my uh, heroes of the city that's made uh, things happen uh, with our film industry and specifically for Louisianans. Everybody, Film Society's Film Festival, October 14th to 22nd. Check it out online. 
Um, I think if you just go to New Orleans Film Society, you'll find the film festival. And yeah. be sure and try to uh, set aside some time for it. All kinds of ticket possibilities. And you can see that online, too. I'm getting that signal. We'll do some more next week. Um, Jolene, uh, pick me one of your film uh, directors to come on the show um, next Thursday. Thank you, everybody. Y'all have a great day. Enjoy this fabulous October weather, my favorite. Gene Nathan, Cross Town Conversations. Thank you.